0: What do you say? We have a word of prayer, and we're going to get right into stuff tonight. Is that all right with everybody? Is everybody all right? Yes. I'm happy and pretty relaxed. I hope y'all are happy and pretty relaxed as well. And we got some interesting stuff to talk about this evening uh, that isn't always very relaxing. So I'm going. I'm going right into it, relaxed. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, thank you <clears throat> for another opportunity to come together in your house, and to worship you, and to hear your word, to learn more about your return. And so, Lord, I ask that you will help us through this evening, and you will uh, open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, our minds to understand um, what we need to know about being prepared for your return, Lord. Lord. We ask for your help in that. And we want to, we just want to grow more as your disciples, followers of Jesus. Amen. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Now, <clears throat> we don't have a musician tonight. And you might be thinking, excuse me, you're a musician. Yeah, yeah well, here's how that works tonight, anyway. Uh, Jonathan and Bill and Steve all are going to be out of commission kind of for about three weeks for various different reasons and are going to be unable to be here. Um, and so <clears throat> my first inclination tonight, uh, honestly, was uh, let's, just start, let's just get right into the Bible, okay? But then I went, oh, no, I can't do that because, you know, it's church and you have to have a song service, right? And so I sat with my guitar and I went through a list of 60 songs or more trying to find one that really, okay, clicked, so to speak. And uh, it, I was having such a hard time. And, um, and so I finally found one that clicked. I went, okay, that one will work. Uh, and uh, so I made a copy of the paper and brought my guitar out here. And I got about that far, set my guitar on the, on the floor, and I went, but I'm not supposed to do music tonight. <laughs> so I immediately picked my guitar up, and took it back to my office. But for those of you who feel like we can't have church unless we sing a song, stand with me. <laughs> ah! See, I, can't, I got you. <laughs> Some of you were right on the money. I said, for all of you who think we can't have church without a song, stand up. Many of you just stayed going, I'm going to see who the sucker is who stands.
1: <laughs> all right, wait a minute. Holy Spirit, Thou art welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, Thou art welcome in this place. Omnipotent Father of mercy and grace, Thou art welcome in this place.
0: Now, everybody stand with me and let's just do it together,
1: okay? Holy Spirit, Thou art welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, Thou art welcome in this place. Omnipotent Father of mercy and grace, Thou art welcome in this place. Somebody give the Lord a praise. Come on. Amen.
0: All right. Have a seat. There, we got the best of both worlds right there, right? That was like the perfect song. This was the extra song that I just brought in with me just in case, Uh, and so I went, yeah, we'll just do it a cappella. You have your Bibles? Hold your Bibles up if you got your Bible or your device, whatever it is that you're using. It's in moments like this that those of you who are using your devices are going, oh man, I wish I had my Bible right now. (laughs) Just kidding, just kidding. And so, good, you have it with you. We're going we're gonna to get through, we're going to go through some scripture tonight. We're going to be talking about uh, Daniel's prophecy about the 70 weeks. And so, it is a complex subject. It is a detailed subject. And it can be daunting and maybe even confusing. So, I'm going to do my very best to help us understand A little bit about Daniel's prophecy of 70 weeks because it is very much about understanding the visual timeline of the return of the Lord and after all for the better part of nearly two years now it's every evening on every Wednesday it's been about preparing for the Lord's return right and so that's what we're going to do Uh, before we get there, let me share just a couple of things with you. You know, It's, it's pretty obvious, I, it should be pretty obvious to all of us, that the whole world and all of humanity uh, are really moving toward some kind of climatic catastrophe of some kind. Whether that, you know, with the, uh, the I w- certainly was not a good transition of power in any way, shape, or manner, in Afghanistan. You know, heaven forbid. God, God forgive those that did it the way that they did it. Uh, and God help and bless those that fought so hard, who still want to hang on to, we did that for a cause, and I'm so thankful that they are. Um, but that shift of power right there was a huge element of end times. Um, And So it's very, I don't think, you'd you'd almost have to be, have your head in in the sand full time to not know that the world around us is is in many respects coming unraveled, okay? And we're on the hinge point, a pivot point of some potential catastrophe, whether it be war, whether it be a terrorist outbreak, uh, another outbreak of disease, famine, Oh my gosh, how about all the earthquakes? And we're going to talk about that in a minute as well. Current events um, are moving um, toward a showdown between major world powers and not just major world powers, but even third world powers in the mix, which is even crazier uh, of the possibilities. And I think that what we can also see is that things are escalating very fast they're going very everything's happening very rapidly now it's it's coming quickly um and there are so many catastrophic events and end time signs that are unfolding right in front of us i i I wrote every week but sometimes it's every day we're seeing something that we recognize well this is just another sign of the coming of the lord Luke chapter twenty one verse eleven. Now I don't believe we are able to. You were not able to get those on the screen because our pro presenter program that does all the visual up there is 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 out tonight. Uh, So there are some scriptures that uh, that I will just read, and there will be some others that I'll ask you to turn to. So some of them you may just want to write them down as a reference if you're taking notes on this subject matter. In Luke 21, verse 11, it says there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilences, which are diseases and plagues. And there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven or in the sky. We're, I don't know if you're reading any of the reports of the strange... What they're calling UFO lights and other kind of unidentified things that are happening in the sky is crazy. It's really, it's absolutely crazy. But let me give you a little rundown on some of the things. On July, 9th, on July 29th, Alaska had an 8.2 magnitude air earthquake. It was officially documented as the strongest earthquake in decades in that area. On, now, I want you to consider that we're talking about today's September 1st, right? we're talking about since july 29th okay on august 11th a magnitude 7.2 earthquake stuck, struck the philippines on one day later on the 12th of august a 7.5 magnitude earthquake hit the south Sandwich islands two days later on august 14th back to back magnitude 7.0 earthquake struck off of alaska's peninsula on the same day in haiti a 7.2 magnitude earthquake hit with over 2,000 people dead and, and still around 300 people that are missing. And then on the heels of that comes Hurricane Ida that comes right through that very place and decimates it even more and um, you know, engulfs the Gulf Coast and all the southern states. There's been at least 18 earthquakes of magnitude 6.0 Uh, or greater within a six-day time frame in August alone. Eighteen earthquakes recorded around the globe of a magnitude 6.0 earthquake or greater within a six-day span. Now, this is unheard of. Okay, again, we just read a scripture in Luke 21, verse 11. Matthew 24, verses 7 through 8. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. This word sorrows here is interesting. We're going to talk a little bit more about it in a moment. But if we look at Luke 21, verses 10 through 11 says, then he said to them, and Jesus talking to his disciples, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilences, and there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. Um, I'm reading a report of some um, astronomical, if that's the right word, astrological, what's the right word? Some some weird event in the sky, a green light, a piercing light, other types of, you know, I I almost want to think sometimes it's angels getting taken up positions. I just don't, I don't know what those things are, but I'm seeing visual images of some of these things uh, on the news regularly of signs in the heavens, even more so than back in Roswell, was it Roswell, Area 51, you know, where the big secret all took place, right? Uh, Mark chapter 13, verse 8, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. The in- interesting word about this, the Greek word for sorrows is it's the same as the word travail as it relates to birth pangs. That's what this word actually, these are the beginnings of birth pangs. Okay. All of you women know that when the birth pangs begin, somebody's coming. Right? For some of you ladies, it happens quick. For some of you ladies, it takes a period of time. No one knows exactly how long labor takes. Some ladies end up having them, The baby on the way to the hospital. Boom, water breaks, birth pangs, baby, you know. (laughs) That's just a man's way of putting it all together. (laughs) But I want you to understand this word. These are the beginnings of sorrows. These are the beginnings of labor. These are the beginning. Greek word for birth pangs. So when labor begins, it is a sign the baby's coming, right? And usually... Fairly quick. Romans eight twenty two. For we know that the whole. Now I want you. To, I want you to listen to this passage of scripture in, in relationship to what I'm telling you about the globe, the the floods, the uh, um, the earthquakes, the famines, the hurricanes. The crazy things that are happening right now, and I want you to think about it in terms of birth pangs and this next scripture in Romans. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption and the redemption of our of our body, you see why are why are you you here tonight? Why have you stuck? And this pretty much is the 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 I would call the regular Wednesday crowd. Okay, sometimes we have a few extras, sometimes a, f- a few a, le- a few less. Is that right? A few less, but it's still pretty much the, the, the same crowd. Why? Because this is a group of people that internally you're in travail. You have a groaning going on inside of you to know more about the coming of Jesus, so much so that you say, I'm not missing preparation for the Lord's return. That's because there's a, there is a travail happening even inside of ourselves. It says, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting the adoption and the redemption of our body. When does the redemption of our body happen? It actually happens at the rapture when we are changed from mortal to immortal, from corruptible to incorruptible, so we're there's a part of our spirit, man and woman, right now that is no that we it's it's coming, he's coming, right, and so there's this travail, this, this eagerness. That's why you're here. That's why I'm studying all the things that I'm studying and looking at it from so many different vantage points. The day is approaching. There's no doubt about it. Now, we know that the Bible clearly said, Jesus said, You're, no one knows the day or the hour, okay? Uh, I've already said that did not say, Jesus did not say, no one knows the month or the year. He, he said, you don't know the day or the hour. <clears throat> so, I can say with some confidence, the day is approaching, and the hour is near uh, for the Lord's return. And I would say this to you, and I, I believe that you believe this. Closer than we could imagine. Mm -hmm. Far closer than we could imagine. One of our friends and sisters here at the church just sent me a text today. She's been been, just finished reading a book by uh, Rick Renner, Uh, and she got to the very last end of the book, and she she called me up, sent me a text, and she said, "Pastor, I believe this is going to happen in my lifetime." And I said, that's my whole point, you know, and even if it doesn't, for us to live this life on earth right now as though it will happen in our lifetime, to be prepared for whatever may come, however it all pans out, okay, that we're ready. Whether it's, boom, we're out of here and, you know, before anything happens, or whether it's, uh, oh, wow, a lot of stuff's happening and then we're out of here, or dude, everything happened and now we're out of here. Thank God we're out of here. However that happens, we should be prepared for any of those events. Okay? Because I believe that the the Christianity that lives by the idea that somehow we will escape every possible piece of trouble of the end times and out of some secret catching away, and there's nothing biblical about a secret catching away, it's going to be so mammoth and so visual to the entire world that the entire world will mourn because they know, in fact, uh-oh, we messed up, okay? So uh, we need to be ready for whatever that event looks like. So I'm not standing on a soapbox of pre-trib or post-trib or mid-trib or even pre-wrath, I think it would be. It's okay to have a leaning, but I don't think it's okay for any one of us to stand on the soapbox and go, "Oh, I know what the end looks like." No, you don't. But you better be ready for every possibility. That's my point. Okay, that's why I'm trying to get real with it. So Paul teaches us in this scripture in Romans that as the day gets closer the earth will begin to tremble, and the earth will begin to groan in travail. Hello, 18 earthquakes in a six-day period of 6.0 or greater. We're not talking about a tremor. All right, there has been some devastating earthquakes that's happened just in the last 30 days. Now, so, yeah, that the closer that we get to the er earth the Lord coming even the earth even the earth recognizes it the closer we get to the Lord's coming even creation all of creation recognizes it because it says that all, the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs. All of God's creation knows the, the Messiah is coming, and it's groaning and trembling and, and, in, and in travail for it. And even those who are true sons and daughters of the Lord Jesus Christ have a tra- travail in their inner spirit that it's coming. It's coming. He's coming. It's going to happen. Right on. And I don't think it's going to be as bad as we think it's going to be. Because I think that even if, even if, even if, even if, even if, somehow he keeps us here on this earth up until the very last moment of the earth, he's still going to cover us with some kind of protection and covering. All right? So I just think the, be- the biggest thing that we can do right now is for none of us to stand on our rapture position like we've got the market figured out and we got the market cornered on that i know i know what i feel and i know what i believe but i'm even in my my most recent studies well well, maybe maybe that looks a little different than i thought it looked and it helped me understand no let's not focus on that you know even though it is the catching away is our great hope hallelujah right on So, in that, I want to give you a disclaimer. And trust me, I am going to talk about 70 weeks. Now, this is the introduction. The disclaimer is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And the disclaimer is this for we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. For I know in part, but then I shall know, just as I am also known. So we ha- we, anybody who stands on their soapbox saying, I've got the, the, the market cornered on what the end times looks like, I would, I would steer clear of it. Because it's still groaning and travailing. You know, no one knows exactly what the baby's going to look like. Right? Sometimes you know whether it's going to be a boy or a girl. But you wonder, is it going to look like mommy? Is it going to look like daddy? Is it going to look like Uncle Jake? You know, what's what's the baby going to look like? So it is vital now in all of this, and again, my premise right now is there's lots of stuff. The earth is groaning. Even the earth in creation knows that the Lord's coming. It, he is coming, y'all. And, it's, and it is far sooner than we think, and even as this blessed sister says, oh my gosh, pastor, I think it'll be in my lifetime. That's a groaning. That's a travail. We need to keep something in the center of this, and we need, it's vital that we remember and keep in mind how centric Israel is to all of end times conversation, watch Israel. I, I give you assignments as students of Christ. Read all the news you can about Israel and watch what's happening uh, with Israel and with the nations around Israel and the other nations around the nations that are around Israel who are in co- in, in league with the nations around Israel to, to do one thing. Now, the, the nations around Israel have one thing in mind, and that's a religious war to make sure that all Jews, all of Israel, dies and every infidel in America dies. But those around those nations, the big ones, you know, uh, uh, China and Russia and others, are more in league because of the minerals and other things that are now being found in Israel that means big bucks and power. So it's all about Israel. This is the focal point uh, for all of the end times because all the end times will flow through Israel to the rest of the world. Even in the initial promise that God, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, even in the initial promise that God gave Abraham, he said all the world, all the earth, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed because of Israel. That's God's plan, and that hasn't changed. That's why we're going to look at Daniel's 70 weeks tonight, because it helps you understand where we are in God's timeline. Okay? So the prophet Daniel, he set the stage for the course of Israel's future. And so if you can turn with me now to Daniel chapter 9. Because this is where we're going to spend a little bit of time, at least tonight. Maybe next week we'll see how far we get. Now I am... This Bible that I have here is the New American Standard Bible, uh, a great study Bible, um, and so Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, <clears throat> it's even titled in my Bible, Seventy Weeks and the Messiah. Is it titled differently in anybody else's Bible? Your subtitle for that? Seventy Weeks of Prophecy, Okay. So this is important for us to understand. We're going to start with verse 24. Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Now I think it's pretty cool that the storyline here is that Daniel was in prayer. And he was interceding on behalf of Israel because of their great sin against God. They and you know in the whole Babylonian captivity and that was going on. And the the angel Gabriel showed up in that prayer time. How how would you like to have the angel Gabriel show up in your prayer time? Uh, you know, and, and so the angel Gabriel showed up in Daniel's prayer time, and that this is what he said. He passed on this vision and this prophecy to Daniel, and he said, 70 weeks. In other words, God has decreed 70 weeks for his people and for the city. He said to Daniel, to your people, to your city, but he's talking about the Israelites, and he gave him a number of reasons why. To finish the transgression, in other words, to eliminate sin, to make an end, excuse me, to make an end to sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and the prophecy to the anointed most holy. Now, how much time was decreed? Seventy weeks. Let me continue. So, in verse 25, so you are to know and discern that from the issue, could you put that graphic, let's go ahead and put that graphic up. I know this, don't get too deep. I'm going to show you and point out a few pieces, parts of this graphic that you're looking at right now. But if you'll look all the way to the left, I think you should see, i trying to see it, 538 B.C. Daniel's prophecy. Is that what it says over there? Yeah. And so, what it, here's in verse 25. So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree, I think if you look down you'll see in Nehemiah chapter 2, which we're going to look at in a minute that there was a decree issued. From the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. That's 69 weeks. Now, you understand that a week is made up of seven days. In this case, days are equivalent to a year. So each week is equivalent of seven years. Are you with me? And I'll help you. Un- I'll try to help you understand that. Like I said, the, the prophecy is complex. It's detailed, and it can be confusing. But we'll do our very best. So it'll be s- uh, seven weeks and sixty-two, which is sixty-nine weeks, and that's from the time that um, Artaxerxes issues a decree to rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah makes himself known as. Messiah, which by the way happened on the day of the triumphant entry. Okay, I'm gonna pull a lot of things together for you, so I'll do my best to keep it slow and you do your best to keep up with me. It will be built again, talking about Jerusalem and the temple. It will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress, so there'll be trouble while it's being rebuilt. Then, verse 26 then after 62 weeks. The Messiah will be cut off. If you look up there, you can see the cross. 62 weeks. The Messiah will be cut off and have nothing, and the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. So there will be a prince that will come after Jesus is crucified who will destroy Jerusalem and destroy the temple, uh, the Roman leader Titus did that in 70 AD and he destroyed all of Jerusalem destroyed all of the temple in fact it was Titus that came through and eliminated every tree throughout the entire land many of you may or may not remember that before Israel came back to its land in 1948 it was a barren wasteland and it was a barren wasteland since the time that Titus eliminated when you eliminate trees You eliminate everything that causes the earth to grow in that setting. So, then after, six, this is still verse 26, then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing, and the people of the prince, who is to come, will destroy the city and the sanctuary, and its end will come with a flood. That's not talking about a flood of water. Even to the end, there will be war, desolations are determined, a flood of trouble, Okay? Now, verse 27, and he will make a he. Now, it's it's interesting how complex this is because the he now is not talking about the Roman Titus. That was at 70 AD. Remember, this is a panoramic prophecy of Israel's last 70 weeks. And if a week equals seven years, uh, 70 weeks times seven is... 490 years. So this is a prophecy of the last 490 years from the time Artaxerxes, that's a hard name to pronounce, uh, issues the decree. 490 years are decreed. God decreed. This is important. He didn't decree it for Gentiles. He decreed it for Israel. And there was a list of things that he said, I'm going to deal with this, I'm going to deal with that, I'm going to deal with this, I'm going to deal with that, and I'm going to deal with this, and I'm going to deal with that. Right on? And he, now the he now is the Antichrist in this setting in verse 27. and the, And he will make a firm covenant with many for a week. So what's going to happen is that at some point in the end time scheme, and I think I'm having a hard time seeing it there, but isn't there a line that goes down to the covenant signed? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I I love this particular graphic because it does not depict where the author of this graphic believes the rapture to be. That's key because it could be anywhere in that little time frame there. So I like the fact that that's not there. We can just look at the timeline. And so he will make a firm covenant with many for a week. In other words, the Antichrist will sign a peace treaty with Israel. And that's at the beginning of the seven-year tribulation. Okay? Now, I want you to get something in your head right now. We've always been taught and we've always had the belief that the first three and a half years of the tribulation is going to be the most unheard of peace on planet earth that's ever been anywhere. This is about Israel, y'all. And the peace that's there is this false peace treaty that's made between the Antichrist and the leaders of Israel. It's called seven years of tribulation because it's seven years of bad news and bad stuff and bad trouble. Not three, if it was three and a half years of peace and three, years of ha- three and a half years of trouble, it would be called the three and a half year tribulation. Are you hearing me? Because it's very shortly after the signing of that peace treaty, Israel, the light bulb goes on, and they go, "This guy actually fooled us." Okay. The church, whether it's around or not, is not to be argued with. That's not what we're going to. That's not the, the topic. If you are here, you're going to know what's going on over there. And you're going to go, oh my gosh, they're signing a peace treaty. That guy's the Antichrist. It's only a matter of time. When are their eyes going to open up and he's going to show up and break the peace treaty and blah, blah, blah. So, verse 27, he will make a firm covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. That's important. We've heard prophecies for years and years and years that the temple will be rebuilt. But the temple can only be rebuilt if it's built on the holy spot. But right now, Islam owns the spot. So something or somebody has to be gone before Israel can rebuild the temple on the holy spot. Because I'll tell you right now, Islam won't let them do it in their temple. Okay, I'm not speaking against Islam. They're a big part of the end time scheme of things. All right? So what I'm saying to you is that temple of the mosque, the Muslim mosque, is going to get destroyed at some point. I don't know how or where or what the how's that going to happen because there's no way. And I don't know what's going to happen to Islam. I mean, it's not like they're going to just go, okay, you can have it. Come on, we know enough about them. They're not going to just go, yeah, okay, it's yours. Right? Put it together, y'all. Something's going to happen there that now Israel is able to rebuild the temple. We know they'll rebuild the temple because it says that the Antichrist will put a stop to the sacrifice and the grain offering, and the Jews can't have a sacrifice and a grain offering unless they do it in the temple as constructed by the Old Testament plan for the temple. Okay? So, but this Antichrist is going to put a stop to that sacrifice. Now, how many know that it ain't going to be like, okay, in the middle of the three and a half years, boom, one day we're going to wake up and now the uh, Jewish temple's there. (laughs) It takes time to build that stuff, right? Uh, It's very possible that even before the covenant is signed, they have already started building the temple, but they can't build it anywhere but that spot. That's the spot that it has to go. So, I'll get, I'll get on with it. I'm spending so much time doing commentary while reading the Scripture, I'm not even getting to the other stuff. It's all good so far? So, verse 27, he'll make a firm covenant with the many for one week, but in the middle of the week, so in other words, three and a half years into the tribulation time, uh, he'll put a stop to the sacrifice and grain offerings. And on the wing of abominations... Will come the one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction. One that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. It's called the abomination of desolation. There's some theological conversation and argument about what is that really? Is, is, is that the moment that this world leader? Because up until now, these Jewish people don't know he's the Antichrist. He's, just the, he's the world leader who solved all the problems, and he brought peace to all these nations. And he even fixed things so that the Muslims were like, okay, you can have our temple. I mean, he, this guy fixed everything. So, I don't know whether he's going to stand up. In, it's, it's argued, you know, because swine is a, a, an abomination to the Jewish people, that he's going to sacrifice a swine on the altars of God. That's some conjecture. He stands up and makes himself God in the place of God. That actually is going to happen biblically. We don't know whether that's the abomin- abomination of desolation. But something's happening at that three and a half year mark that stops the Jewish sacrifice. And it is an absolute abomination to God, so much so that it's, it's known as the abomination of desolation. Okay. I never planned to spend that much commentary just reading that. Now I've got to figure out how that fits into my notes. No, <laughs> no, I said that. Uh, okay, okay. So, predominantly all commentators, theologians, and teachers do believe that the weeks. That are presented here should be understood as 70 weeks of years, in other words, a period of 490 years. But it is very important to note as you look up there, I think it's going to be up there somewhere, that the time for, from the, the uh, decree issued for the rebuilding of Jerusalem by uh, Artaxerxes until Jesus was cut off is only 483 years. There's seven years that haven't been accomplished yet. Now, keep in mind that these 490 years were for a specific people. This is why I've been trying to hammer in how important it is for us to keep our heads wrapped around the fact that this is all about Israel. This 400, this 70 weeks, this 70 weeks prophecy is only about Israel. Now, don't get off in in replacement theology but we're the church, we're the new Israel they, they abandoned Christ and they rejected Christ and they crucified Christ so God made us Israel now no, that's not biblical okay Israel is Israel and if you're, if you're if you're not a Jew you're a Gentile and none of this stuff was put together for Gentiles we just got grafted in we got adopted in praise God the Jews did reject Jesus at the cross, and so there became this break in time in history where God said, all right, it's like there's this great big time clock. Call it a stopwatch. And at the decree issued by Artaxerxes Longaminus in forty four four 444 B.C. to rebuild Jerusalem, you can read it in Nehemiah chapter one, chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. From that, that's God. pushed the clock. And the ticker started going. And the ticker went all the way up until Jesus was cut off. That happened at the cross. Now this is interesting. I'm going to walk you through a couple things. So, back to verse 25 for a second. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built. And, um, and the wall, and even in troublesome time. Now, I want, you to, I want you to go read that in Nehemiah. It's up there. Some of you, I saw a couple take a picture. Take a picture of that. Go study it with all these scriptures. because That happened in Nehemiah. Made a decree. Go, Nehemiah. Rebuild your city. Rebuild the wall. And he issued a decree saying this will happen. Well, the prophecy was buku years earlier, from the angel Gabriel to Daniel. And he said, from that moment, 490 years are slated for God to deal with his chosen people. That's what the last seven years is about. Because only 483 have happened. Okay? The last seven years brings the 490. As we look at the groaning of the earth and the groaning of creation and all the stuff that's happening around us and our own personal groaning about this and we begin to really look at the signs of the times and the things that are happening we're going to see this is this is going to this 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 could easily happen in our lifetime so in this prophecy is it actually breaks it kind of down in in three units there's there's a unit of forty nine years let me explain a unit of forty. The 49 years is because that's how long it took Nehemiah and the people to rebuild the city. It took them 49 years to rebuild the city. Then there was another 434 years plus the seven, still equals 490 years. Gabriel said that the prophetic clock would start when the decree was issued to rebuild. Clearly, it's, this is not just... let's let's come up with some end times conjecture. You can read this in the Bible. It's there, okay? Uh, So from the date to the time of the Messiah would be 483 years. uh, That decree was issued by King of Persia, Artaxerxes. Daniel 9, 26, after the 62 weeks... Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And we know that. He was cut off for the salvation of all mankind. And the people of the prince, this is where it gets detailed, because Gabriel's just doing more than one thing in a sentence, (laughs) right? And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city. We understand that you can look it up in history. That happened in 70 A.D., um if you take a look, the reason you can time this outright is that the Jewish custom is to look at a year as a 360-day year. In our um, Anglo-European European way of looking at things, it's 365 days, except for leap year, right? That's a little different. But they have their years are set up in 360 day years, 483 years after. The 444 BC decree puts us, this is so cool, puts us forward in time. God is, oh man, it just blows me away. God is such a timekeeper. Man, he manages that clock. I want you to get this that 483 years after the 444 BC decree puts us forward to AD 32. And A.D. 32 coincides perfectly to the day that Jesus did his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, that's recorded in Matthew 21, almost to the day. Now that just gives me chilly bumps. Daniel's prophecy in chapter 9 says that after 483 years, the Messiah, the Anointed One, would be cut off. And that was fulfilled when Jesus was crucified. Interestingly, five days before he was crucified was when he rode into, fulfilling prophecy when he rode into Jerusalem on that donkey, it was a fulfillment of prophecy to say this is the Messiah. He was presenting himself at the triumphant entry as the Messiah of all mankind. Almost to the day, 483 years from the time that Artaxerxes issued the decree in 444 B.C. You're getting quite a history lesson tonight as well. So, God stopped the countdown seven years short of completion. He said, fine, my people have rejected me. I will graft another people in to the olive branch. And I will adopt the sons of all mankind into the family of God. And all we had to do was accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and believe in Him as Lord. All right. And so over the course of history since that time, the Lord has has switched his focus, if you will, to the church and to the Gentiles. And That does not mean that we replaced the Jews. It just says God said, fine, I still got seven years to deal with y'all, and it will happen. But between now and then, I'm going to make sure that I harvest as many people from planet earth as I can, because you may be the chosen people, but there are more people in this family than just y'all. All All right? God's from the south. He said, (laughs) y'all. All right, pretty much right on time. Praise God. So God stopped the clock's countdown seven years short of completion. His focus shifted to the church, shifted to the Gentiles, because the church had a mission. And that mission was to evangelize the planet. Okay? There's going to come a time during the, somewhere around that, signing of a covenant with the antichrist he'll be he won't be known as the antichrist at that time he will be known by the church if we're still here but he won't be known by the rest of the world because they're going to see him as the greatest thing since bread and butter um daniel's prophecy clearly illustrates illustrates that the final seven years the 70th week is for one purpose this is one of the ways that the pre-tribulationists actually fall into their doctrine of pre-tribulation because they go, well, God's already done, he's done with the church, the the fullness of the Gentiles has come, he's only dealing with the chosen people in that seven years. But that doesn't say we're not around, okay? Uh, And it doesn't say that the Holy Ghost is not around. I'll tell you why I believe the Holy Ghost is still around, because 144,000 Jews from all the 12 tribes of Israel will be filled and led by the Holy Spirit to become evangelists on the earth, not for the Gentiles, but to win as, hallelujah, win as many of the Jewish people to to God as it possibly be done before the bowls of wrath are poured out. God has a plan. Amen. (laughs) And we are a part of that plan, praise God. Right on? So, in closing, for tonight, anyhow, anywho, the 70 weeks prophecy given to Daniel by the angel Gabriel is a complex prophecy because it, you know, most sentences are single in their subject matter. It's like he says this, comma, and then it's a whole other thing, semicolon, then there's a whole other thing. (laughs) There's a whole bunch going on in that one sentence. So it is complex, it is detailed, but it's detailed enough that if we just open our eyes and, 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 and get the harmony of the rest of Scripture, you're like, oh my gosh, God's got this. Well, of course God's got this all figured out. He's a master planner and a master timekeeper and a God of covenant. So one thing for sure is this, is that God has a timetable and he is keeping things on schedule. I anticipate that we're going to be a part of that schedule. I do not believe that if the church is here during what is known as the seven year tribulation period, we are still going to be protected and covered by God and it may be that the church itself is protected and covered by God so that, that the liberals of today that are sh- trying to shut us down won't be able to shut us down. Okay? Uh, it's just gonna be, uh, I, he knows the end from the beginning. We don't, so we're not gonna get on our soapbox and go, got it figured out, y'all. We're going to work through that journey. Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my good pleasure. God says, I'm going to do it how I want. We also know this, that we should be looking for the return of the Lord, not just on Wednesday night. Revelation 22, 7. Jesus said, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. So next week, what I want to get to talk about is that passage of Scripture in Matthew 24 where he said, This generation shall not pass away until these things take place. I'm going to take you down a journey to help you figure out what that generation really means. And you are a part of that generation. And I'll help you understand why I believe that is true. Because that's been a theological argument for years. What generation? Is it 40 years? Is it 100 years? Wait a minute. That generation of people that he spoke to is long gone. Must have already happened. No. Okay? So I set this up really in a way tonight for you to see this, to get a picture of the 70 weeks, to get a picture of the timeline and to not focus in on what this isn't about the timing of the rapture this is about the timing of God's plan for his chosen people All right, and somehow we fit into that mix and he has a plan for us as well so I wanted you to begin to see that the earth is groaning earthquakes are I mean it's like the earth is trembling I think there's a scripture in Jeremiah, I believe it is, it talks about at the end times that the earth would quake and tremble like a drunkard, stagger, be unstable. It's like the earth is coming apart, The, the globe. These are all signs of the beginning of birth pangs because something's about to be born. And it's going to be the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it'll be our ascension into into the sky to meet him. Amen? Whenever that may be. But praise God, I look forward uh, to that day. So Lord, we trust what you are doing. Because only you know. We trust that you know all things. No doubt about it. And Lord, we trust. We don't trust in horses. We don't trust in chariots, as some men do. We trust in you and in the name of our God. So God, give us peace that goes beyond understanding as we watch you (laughs) you unfold the events leading to your return. You're the one. You got your hand in it. You're doing it. And God, we get to see it. Help us not be freaked out by it, Lord. Help us to be to recognize that you also have us in your strong hand, those who trust you. In the glorious name of Jesus, amen and amen. Give the Lord a praise. All right. Well, until then, uh, um, until we meet again, we'll uh, be a blessing to everyone we can be a blessing to come in contact with and spread the light of Jesus and be light and be salt. I call you blessed. Have a great evening.